and I use the monastic community as the picture of this. First of all, the, the, the heading for all this is the presence of God. Like we have to enter in to the presence of God. But there's four ways that we're called, four things we're called to be present with that I think represent that call. Um, first, we're called to be present with prayer, present in prayer. Everybody say present in prayer. Romans 12, 2 says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, constant in prayer. So here's what you have in Romans 12, 12. You have the two, um, we are always experiencing suffering and hope simultaneously. Like there's these two, uh, like imagine it like, um, a guitar has the head of the guitar, one side of the tension of the string, and the um, and the end. What the term is? Thank you, Zane, for showing us. <laughs> yes, these two these two ends hold the guitar in tension. I remember a pastor talking about this time that he uh, was at a hospital, and he was in the hospital listening he was in a hospital celebrating with a family who had a new birth that was happening and he he was there with the family and prayed for them and was excited and then from that same hospital visit he went over to another room where one of the family members of his church was dying of cancer and he was talking about this idea that we live life in the hallways of, the, of these two tensions. And, and, and there is a reality that all of us live, we live life at the tension of our suffering and our hope. And so what the scripture invites us to do as we're enduring things, like what we are enduring, we are all enduring something unique that's affecting us right now. And in order to endure, um, you know, we're rejoicing in hope and we're enduring suffering but the way we do that is by being constant in prayer. And so there, that, that's part of the call. That's part of what the monastics have always demonstrated for us is what it looks like to be constant in prayer. The reason that we're doing our 1130 time of prayer is just to remind us of the presence of God in the middle of the day. And so I just want to bring that to, to your mind. As we are enduring a time that, like, I can't tell you how many people that, I have talked to where, where the church has had to help financially, um, you know, where like there's just been the, the most wide number of uh, difficult situations that I've been talking people through in the last few months than I can remember personally as a pastor. And so people are experiencing suffering right now. And I'm, I just want to recognize that this, that these trials of suffering does is a part of our process of being made complete. But the way that we walk through that is being, being constant in prayer. The, the second thing we do, second thing I talked about last week and what it looks like to be like a monastic community is that we're present with people that, um, that we're not running away, that we're not isolating, um, but that we're present with people. We live in, while we live in an interconnected time with the digital age, we live in the most isolated time. There's more depression, there's more anxiety, there's more suicide than, than any time in, in human history. And we 
that's because we live very isolated lives and God has called us to be present with people. It's part of the anchoring. It's part of the way we live out a life of constant prayer. Um, the third thing that I mentioned, and this is the real key, is that God has called us to be present with pain. Now, I'm going to talk about this for just a minute. In just a minute, I'm going to talk about this. And so I just want you to have that in your minds. Just say present pain, present in pain. That, that's, that's one of the calls that we have. The last thing is to be present with peace. Um, as we're living with all these things, God has called us to be present with peace. So I talked about this about, I don't know, half a decade, but it's been a long time since I've brought this up. But in the 1800s, there was this um, movement that came in the church. This one, this one uh, I can't remember the name. There was one teacher that taught on end times, and he taught on this idea of the rapture. Raise your hand if you this idea of the rapture. Okay. And very like like one teacher taught about it and it ended up in this thing called the Schofield Bible. Raise your hand if you've heard of the Schofield Bible. During the pre times, like these study Bibles were the way that like the general lay population like would become more on how to read the Bible, how to interpret the Bible. And so a whole lot of Western uh, Christian theology has been shaped by these study Bibles. And um, this, this, you know, this rapture teaching um, was brought into the church, the Schofield Bible. And what the rapture is, is basically you have the return of Jesus that scripture does teach about, but then you have this idea that before the return of Jesus, the church will be taken um, and, the, and the world will kind of flesh itself out for a period of years, and then Jesus will return. Now, in the world of the theological, you know, the, there, uh, there are less and less, you know, there are some small, denom there are some denominations that hold on to this, but in the scholarly world, it is very, very, very rare at this point in time for anyone to give any credibility to that view, this idea that the church is going to escape all this tribulation and then Jesus is going to do something on the earth, and then he's going to return. And so I don't believe that this teaching is a biblical teaching, and I'm not going to argue that this morning. I'm just I'm bringing it up for a reason. The, what happened as this, like, found its way into the holiness churches, the Pentecostal churches, the Baptist churches, really pretty much like the, the evangelical uh, South, was the church had started obsessing over this idea of escapism. And that's what I would call it, is escapism. It's the idea that, like, there's some problems in the world, and, man, I just need to get me out of it. Like, He's going to come. We're just going to hang on for dear life. And Jesus is going to take us away from these problems at some point, And he's going to deal with them. And yet, 
if you read the scriptures and you read the stories of the Old Testament, you read Revelation, you read what the New Testament church went through, the, the most clear articulation of the scriptures is that we have not been called to escape the world's problems, but to endure them with perseverance, to bring reconciliation in the midst of them, and to be formed in love by these trials. And so there has been this like, this fantasy that we have, that's built into the fabric of our Christian culture of somehow escaping the problems of this world. And I just want to point this out to you. Well, you might not care about the end times theology. You might not care about the rapture, any of that. I just want to point out to you that it's a psychological thing that we experience this desire to escape the problems of this world. And I want to make a point that Jesus has not called us to escape the problems of this world or the problems in our own lives. He's called us to confront them. He's called us to deal with them. In fact, the scriptures called us to be reconcilers, not just, not just those who hold righteousness in our own hearts, but those who are dispensing the love, the righteousness, the forgiveness, the reconciliation, the mercy of God into the wholeness of the world. And so I, the way that I think of it, I call it bunker mentality. It's like the church got into this mentality of, you know, we're going we're gonna to go over here and we're going to do our thing and we're going to make sure that we're going to not do all the bad things and we're going to avoid all the bad people and just get, get away from get away from the issues. And the, but the reality is, is that the very love of God is perfected in you by being the salt of the earth, by being the light, by being those who are present in the pain, the suffering, and the trials of this world. And, and so I want to read Second Corinthians 5, 17 to 20. It says, therefore, if in Christ, the new creation has come. Everyone say new creation. God is making not only a new creation in you, he's also making new creation in the world. His, his, he did not come into this world to condemn it, but what? To save it. So like he, his goal in the earth is to make new creation. His goal is not to abandon it. His goal is not to destroy it. His goal is is to recreate and make new all the things that he created. We are not called to escape, we're called to reconcile. This is what it says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here to say, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Let's say reconciliation. In order for you to be a reconciler, what do you have to do? You have to be in the of, of the brokenness. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. God, we're making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Just say amen to Paul on that. Um, 
I, I just want to make this point that we have been called to be a part of not the judging of the world, but the remaking of the world. We have been called not to escaping the problems of this world, but be entering in suffering, in pain, in trials. And there has been a significant part of our uh, Christian culture that has been shaped on this idea of God dealing with all those sinners and us getting, you know, getting the ticket out. And that's not what we're called to do. And so when we go thing, through things like coronavirus, like it's, it's so hard, you know, like, you know, to process. It's, it's hard to process when somebody loses a loved one in a way that's unexpected. It seems unjust. It seems like it doesn't fit with the way that God created the universe. Like, it, like sufferings are, are, are difficult to process, but God has, he, he hasn't created a reality where we get to escape suffering. He's created a reality where we get to be affected by love in the midst of suffering. And in this, we get to be those who reconcile. Um, one of the great uh, theologians of the 20th century was a guy by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer his unique contribution to the faith was that he uh, remained in Germany as a, as a uh, minister, as the Nazi power greater and greater and greater. And what happened is a lot of the dissenters that, that uh, a lot of the dissenters, dissenters of the Nazi regime who were within the church fled to other countries. And I'm not making a point of whether God led them to do that or not, but, but, D, but Dietrich Bonhoeffer remained um, present in the midst of the greatest, you know, one of the greatest tyrannies that we've seen um, in modern history. And, and like it went from, he had freedoms taken from him and he had, um, you know, lot, his ministry taken from him to he was in prison to he became a martyr. And I think his life is a picture of what it looks like to follow Jesus because God has not called us to be those who, 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 who run from problems, but he's called us to be those who are present with him in the midst of suffering. And so I, I just want to... Uh, mention this one of the things that one of the emotional feelings that i've felt over the last couple of weeks is i've had this like feeling of like um you know especially like when i had to we made this decision to go back on zoom or you know when i'm looking at how much tension is currently in our culture like when i when i think about all these things there's part of me that feels like Man, we're losing we're we're losing uh, our grip on our way of life. How many of you have felt that feeling over give me a little hand wave or something? Feel like man, feels like we're losing something. And I, and I had this question to myself when I felt that it's like, what am I gripping onto? What is that which is anchoring me? Is it actually Christ and kingdom, or is it my comfort way of life that I'm familiar with? And 
I, I just, I believe that God has called us to be the kind of community that demonstrates not what it looks like to escape the problems, the difficulties, and the sufferings of this world, but to run square into them and to those who are reconciling. And we know that the kingdoms of this earth, God is making this world and his people new, but the kingdoms of this earth will pass away. But, but what the scripture tells us is that his kingdom is unshakable and his kingdom is that which we can stand on. And so I want to finish by taking it back, taking us back to James 1, 2 through 4. And um, says this, consider pure joy. <laughs> and just say pure joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking anything. And that's really the invitation that we have. And um, I want to make a, a quick ask. Uh, one of the things as a community that we've been doing over the past, you know, several months, as you know, is we're logging in on this midday time to pray. And when Jesus was, when the scripture says that Jesus intercedes for us, um, he intercedes to the Father for us. Um, Jesus is the bridge. He's, he's the mediator of heaven and earth for, on our behalf. Um, but I also believe that we get to be the mediators. We get to be the bridge. We get to be those that minister reconciliation. And when we come together in prayer, even if it's a short time, what happens as, an, as, a, as what you are as an intercessor is become a bridge with heaven and earth. You become a bridge between the reality of God's goodness and the presence of pain and suffering. And so the, the reason that we continue to do this praying as a community is because the rhythm of bringing our attention back to God in the midst of life is, is, is the rhythm that forms us to be those bridges between heaven and earth. And I really believe that as a community, there's an opportunity for us um, in this season to blossom even more fully into who we've been created to be and what unique DNA and identity God's put on this community. And so I just want to invite you just to continue um, to participate with us because we are called to be those who are the bridges between heaven and earth, who are those who are faithful in trials and constant in prayer, rejoicing in hope. So I'm just going to close in prayer and Pray for you guys, and I'm going to hand it over to Zane to do communion. Lord, I just pray blessing on every person. I pray that you that that we would not be dismayed um, 
as things are unexpected. We would not be disheartened. We would not be discouraged. God, but that we would hear what is it? 35 says, to strengthen the weak knees, to make firm the ground beneath our feet. I pray that we would not look for the ground beneath our feet to be the comfort of the life that we've lived or the hopes of the luxuries or comfort for the future. God, but that we would look that the, that the solid ground we stand on is hearing doing your word, is believing and trusting in you in the midst of every kind of, of trial. And so, God, I pray that you would make us those that are complete and mature, not lacking everything. And we invite you to continue the work of breaking us so that we may be whole in you. In Jesus' name, amen.